right, well, welcome to all those that I just said am I on to, and uh, welcome to Union Grove Baptist Church, and good to see you tonight. We got a full jam-packed session coming up here, lots of things we're going to discuss, and we're going to start out with our Prophecy Focus Global Update, then uh, we'll do that for a bit, then we'll get into uh, the book of Acts chapter 16, which has some one of my favorite stories, accounts in it, and I need to do what I always ask everybody else to do. I just heard my cell phone go off, so I'm going to silence that, if I can figure out how to do it. I need my, I need some, is there any like six-year-old in here that can silence my phone? Yeah, I'm sure you could. <laughs> All right, let's pray and get started, and we'll get into some prophecy global updates. Father, thank you for the folks that are here tonight. Pray that you bless our time together. Lord, it's always exciting to get in uh, the midweek and get a little refreshment from your word. So Lord, I pray that you'd uh, bless our time together tonight as always, that uh, some of the domestic and international events we'll look at, that you'd just help us to see the prophetic nexus, way uh, things are advancing towards your soon return. So Lord, we look forward to that. Lord, I want to pray for uh, the young people, the Iwana groups, the rooted teens as they meet. Uh, Lord, would you bless the leaders tonight, give them strength as they've been working all day and uh, then come here and volunteer their time to uh, help the young folks draw closer to you. So, Father, would you please uh, give them strength tonight? Would you help the young folks to listen and to get something from what's being taught tonight, whether it's to increase their faith in discipleship or if someone's here that's never trusted Christ, might they find him tonight before they go home? So, Lord, we just commit everything in the complex to you. Pray that you protect our folks. And uh, we just look forward to what you're going to do tonight. And uh, as always, Lord, we ask that you'd move in our hearts that we may not leave here the same way as we entered. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, let's see. Last Sunday, as you know, I wasn't here, so I was playing hooky. No, not really. Uh, I was in uh, Maple Grove, Minnesota at uh, Victory Baptist Church. I preached three days there. Had a wonderful time, great prophecy conference. Uh, they had some visitors, so if anybody from Maple Grove is watching, uh, thanks for having us there. Uh, it was a great time, and uh, I'm happy for the visitors they had, which uh, hopefully uh, they'll stick around and uh, help their church grow as well. So we always look forward to those things. But it's always good to be home. Uh, some of you I know watched uh, uh, some of the messages I did in Minnesota. You texted me and... I appreciate that, and uh, if you heard me, now anybody that watched those, those ones, and again, it's Victory Baptist Church in Maple Grove, multiple times I made it perfectly clear that Union Grove Baptist Church is the greatest church on earth, and uh, I told Victory, I said, listen, I love you guys, I've been there six years in a row now for a prophecy conference, and I said, you know, I love you guys, but you're number two, and I said, number two is a pretty good place to be. Uh, but victory uh, cannot match Union Grove folks, just can't. So, glad to be home. All right, let's get into some of the updates right off the bat here. Whoops, screen's a little jumpy tonight. Had too much caffeine. All right, here we go. U.S. Supreme Court preserves broad access to abortion pill. Uh, and again, all these things are brand new, uh, 
um, within a couple of days a week at the most off the press. Uh, this comes to us out of Reuters. And again, you say, well, why do you document where you get this stuff from? Well, because when I use something, I want to make sure the source is known and never do I want to say something that's a quote without uh, citing where it came from because that can get me in trouble and it'll get them upset. So we want to make sure we do this properly. So I always document. I always have the website that I got the material off of and the Usually, like you see on there, the Reuters sign, so you know exactly where the material came from. All right, April 21st, not just a few days ago, the United States Supreme Court on Friday blocked new restrictions set by lower courts on a widely used abortion pill. A decision welcomed by President Joe Biden as his administrative defense brought access to the drug in the latest fierce legal battle over reproductive rights in the United States. All right, so it's like, well, why do we have an interest in this? Well, uh, as Bible-believing Christians, and again, the Bible's very specific on issues like this. And it's not, I mean, the government can do whatever it wants. That's, that's not the issue. The government can sanction whatever it wants. The government can approve whatever it wants. But the bottom line is God's people, when it comes to what the Bible says, that trumps, no pun intended, that trumps uh, what the government says. So the issue is, okay, so the government says you can do whatever you want with uh, your unborn baby. Well, God may have a differing opinion than the government has, and in this case, he definitely has a different opinion. Uh, That's not a right word to use when it comes to what God says is an opinion, is it? No, what God says is basically that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, again, People can reject it. People can do what they want. Governments can do what they want. But uh, God's word is pretty specific on this. So again, here's and and I always like to say this when I'm when I'm taking a stance on something, a biblical stance on something. I will guarantee you there are people that attend Union Grove Baptist Church that have had abortions. I mean, I don't know who has or who hasn't. But the fact is, people do attend here that I can guarantee you have gone through this. So what I always like to do is make this very specifically clear. It does not matter to me, even as the pastor of the church, what somebody did before they came here today. That's not my issue. That it, it, History is history. If it happened, it happened. Here's where... We as a church, I trust, and me as an individual as the pastor here, if someone walks in and said, listen, a week ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, I had an abortion. I'm like, all right, understood. Now, what do we learn from that? Okay, where do we go from here? Now, most people that are going to tell me that aren't telling me that because it hasn't bothered them in some way. There's usually something that's bothering them, and it's like, you just don't walk up and tell me something like that. So how do you feel about that? Well, and then you'll hear the story. All right, so here's the bottom line. You say, Pastor Rich, do you, do you have a problem with people that have had abortions in the past? What I have a problem with is individuals that come and need help And if they're seeking help, and if they're going to grow, and if they're going to walk with God, we move forward. Okay? 
uh, uh, you have to deal with the issue in the past. The person has to get over the anxiety, sometimes the extreme depression. Sometimes it even goes into something uh, like a PTSD, feeling very guilty about what took place in the past. We're here to help people move forward, not to beat them up about what they did in the past. Okay, uh, and, and I always like to make that very clear. The church is not here to beat people up about what they did yesterday or the day before. Uh, God's people are here. We're all sinners saved by what? Grace. I mean, no matter what you've done in the past, God's still there and loves you. Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, it, you, uh, we know where we stand on this issue, but I always like to go here. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because we do have young people in the building. We do have young couples that come here. We do have uh, 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 folks that come and the world has been telling them and the government has been telling them the exact same thing you see on the screens, that it's okay to do whatever you want. And it's like, well, it's okay maybe from the government side of things, but what does God have to say about it? Well, Jeremiah 1, 5, just a few verses. Uh, before I formed you, God's saying to Jeremiah at this time, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, this is a, a little bit more of a, a, a specific situation where God was going, he knew about Jeremiah before he was ever thought about. And God knew that he was going to call Jeremiah. And God knew who he was before he placed him in the womb. And you're like, okay, well, I'm not a prophet. Is there something that speaks to my heart? Well, let's go to Psalm 139. This is a great psalm. I may not get to Acts tonight, by the way, but I'm going to try. Um, it, it's just the, these verses are so rich with meaning. And most of you know Psalm 139, if you, even if you don't recognize the number. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Just, I mean, just catch the richness of this psalm, what he's saying here. Every single thing about me, everything I am, everything, every single thing I do, he's right there with us. He knows exactly who we are and what we're doing. Verse 4, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it. You know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Think about that a minute. He's talking about the greatness of God, who God is, his omniscience, knowing everything, his omnipresence, he's everywhere. And now he's going into who God is and how close he is to him. Where can I go from your spirit? You can't get away from it. Again, we go back to those simple concepts, 1 Corinthians 3.16, every Christian, where's the Holy Spirit live? And in you. And he's just stressing this. Where's God? He, if you placed your faith and trust in Christ, I mean, it's pretty hard to run from yourself. Uh, it's just, it's beautiful. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Obviously, uh, you can't, and that's his point. Verse 8, if I ascend into heaven, <laughs> you're there. If I make my bed in hell, basically the word here means grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And now he's going to get even deeper. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Here we go. For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me where? In my mother's womb. You see the sanctity of life in anywhere in this psalm? You see how much God has loved you before you were even born? And he's bringing those facts out. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Almost every person in here knows that verse. It's just it's one of the wonderful verses in Scripture. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You see, there's not a single person on this earth, even though there's many that will deny it. Every single person on this earth knows there is a God. Every person. Romans chapter 1 makes it very clear as well. I'm into very clear tonight. But uh, Romans chapter 1 makes it very clear that when man's mind begins to go down a degenerate path, what does he do? First thing he does is move away from looking at God as God, and he goes into idolatry. That's Romans 1. And then things get worse from there as man progresses down the slope of rejecting God. What does else he say? I will praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was what? Made in secret. In other words, mom and dad, with all uh, uh, the beauty of it, when mom and dad came together before that person was basically conceived, God says, I knew who you were. I mean, there's no getting around it. God knows every single person. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my what? My substance. Now, I'm sure there's there's folks in the liberal medical community that would say, yeah, it's just the substance. No, what what is the whole psalm talking about? That it's a whole lot more than a substance. It's a person. It's somebody that God knew before they were even born. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. I mean, it's just starting to come together. God is just starting to reap that wonderful, miraculous thing of making a human being. And in your book, they all are were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So when we go back to the government's position on, on uh, what life is and what we have the government's sanction to stop, is that indeed God's will? And as we look at this, as we examine it, and I, I know there, there could be a differing opinion in the room, but folks, this isn't about an opinion. It's about, it's about what God states. And as one of God's people, uh, certainly here at, uh, at Union Grove Baptist, as well as many, many 
thousands of churches across the country where the sanctity of life is very important. So again, why do we go to this? Number one is, if you as an individual don't think you're important, think again. If you don't think that God has a beautiful, wonderful plan for your life, sound like the four spiritual laws now, but if you don't think God has a beautiful, wonderful plan for your life, you're mistaken. He does. And every single little baby that God forms, he formed. Do need I say more? Now, again, I want to go back to this, and I know there's some that you've gone through this process, and it's like, I know to a small degree maybe how you feel. But I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to live in, man, I can't believe we went through that. I can't believe I did it. Or maybe some of you may say, well, I did it, and I have no regrets. Well, may I encourage you never to do it again? May I encourage you that uh, if somehow in those listening and crisis pregnancies, do they happen? Of course they happen. Do young ladies get pregnant out of wedlock? Absolutely. happens every day. But uh, there's plenty of folks that would be happy to take that baby. I can guarantee you that. And uh, I think I've had enough of my own, but I know a lot of people that would be happy to have a cute little baby and, and, and raise it. So just something to think about. Take it from God's presence Listen, government never changed the heart. Only God can do that. So uh, even though the government says it's okay, it's like I know some Christians, they blow their gasket, blow their tops, like I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe it either, but just because they said it, do you have to subscribe to it? Of course not. All right, so something to think about. All right, let's move on. I'm going to scoot ahead again. And we can't get away from it. Climate change thaws world's northernmost research station. Uh, so this, again, is out of Reuters. And uh, this is, like, supposedly the coldest place on Earth, but uh, they're experiencing one of the most rapid warming. Climate change thaws world's northernmost research station. At the world's northernmost year-round research station, scientists are racing to understand how the fastest warming place on Earth is changing and what those changes may mean for the planet's future. But around the tiny town, and I'm probably going to butcher this, if anybody knows how to say it right, yell it out. Anybody? <laughs> I heard a bunch of no's. All right. Nye Alessand, high above the Arctic Circle on Norway's Svalbard, whatever, scientific data is getting harder to access, and sometimes it's vanishing before scientists can collect it. Sea ice in the Arctic Ocean is seen near uh, Nyalesund's Valbard, Norway. Sorry for butchering it. Uh, and you can see, I mean, it shows up pretty good on the screen. I mean, that's a huge, massive uh, piece of uh, ice that's broken away from uh, the land. All right, so again, say what? <laughs> so what do we get out of this? Again, when we're looking at, what do we call this little section? Prophecy focus, what? Global update. So again, there's different things that are taking place around the world. Now, this one pops right up to the, to the Arctic, where supposedly the coldest place on Earth is having one of the most rapid thaws on Earth, uh, which is interesting. But by the way, has, uh, has the climate been changing for the 6,000 years that this Earth has existed? The answer is yes. 
You get hot times, you get cold times, you get cyclical. But, of course, right now, this generation is making a huge deal out of it. Why? Because something has to set the stage for Bible prophecy to come true, whereby someone known as the Antichrist has to see crisis that's happening in the world and will come on the scene to bring the whole world together. Revelation 13. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. How long is 42 months in a year? Three and a half years. All right, we're talking about the Antichrist here. So the Antichrist is given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, in other words, is he a God lover? Obviously not. He's a God hater. This individual will one day, after the rapture of the church takes place, this actually is three and a half years into the seven-year trib. How do we know that? He's got 42 months left. That's three and a half years. All right? Then he, the Antichrist, opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. Now, wait a second. Who's the saints during the second half of the tribulation period? All right, let's, let's, do a, uh, let's do a little quiz here. How many of you, if the rapture happens tomorrow, oops, I gave it away. How many of you will be here on the earth during the tribulation period? None. All right, now, if you, uh, if you think you're going to be here, then you really need to tune into the five messages I did at, at uh, Victory Baptist, and it will explain, if you're a Christian, why you won't be here. All right? Uh, but I can't go through all that tonight. So it was granted to him to make war with the saints. Who are the saints? It's individuals that come to Christ after the rapture of the church during the tribulation period. All right, here's another quiz. How many evangelists will immediately be summoned to go out around the world and preach the gospel after the rapture of the church? Oh, did you hear that, folks? 144,000 young male Jewish evangelists, Revelation 7 and 14, from 12,000 from every Jewish tribe. It's actually going to be Jewish, Jewish. Say what? Somebody having a, say what? They are all virgins. Yes, indeed. We got that now. <laughs> all right. So in other words, they haven't been defiled with woman. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Defiled with woman. The bottom line is they aren't married. How's that? There you go. That makes it a little more palatable. All right, so bottom line, they're going out there preaching the gospel, and again, Revelation 11 talks about, let's see if anybody remembers, how many witnesses? Two witnesses. Who are those two witnesses? Now we're getting some talk going. Enoch and Elijah, do I hear someone else? All right, so Moses is the other candidate. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, no thank you. Uh, Definitely not. Eh, that's a zero. You just flunked the test. Uh, all right, so Enoch and Elijah and uh, Jody kind of let, uh, let that out. Why do we think potential, and do we know for absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt who the two witnesses are? If you do, come see me, and uh, we'll, we'll have a chat, and you can inform me. But, uh, okay, two witnesses that are going to have supernatural powers. Many people believe it's Enoch and Elijah. Why? Because... Uh, the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Well, neither one of them died. They were taken up to heaven without death. So that's a pretty good argument. That's my favorite one. 
But, but wait, there's more. So you have two other individuals, well, actually one other. So at the transfiguration of Christ, who shows up? Elijah and Moses. Now, did Moses die? On top of uh, Mount uh, Nebo. There we go, Mount Nebo. Yes, he did. He died and was buried. So the, the, the contention is, and there's a lot of folks, by the way, they honestly believe Elijah and Moses based on the transfiguration. Those are the two witnesses. Those of us who have a little differing opinion go to Enoch and Elijah. Bottom line, does it merely matter what their names are today? No, but it's good to, you know, it's like, okay, Scripture opens up the door to this. It's like, who are they? So Enoch and Elijah and potentially Moses and potentially not Enoch, for whatever reason, he gets kicked out of the club for some reason by others. But uh, we don't know. But what's the bottom line? The bottom line, it was granted to the Antichrist to make war with who? The saints. Where are the saints coming from? And again, we're not talking about someone who's canonized through a denominational church. A saint, by definition, is what? Any person that's ever placed their faith and trust in Christ. That's it. So are, how many people here have placed your faith and trust in Christ? All right, are you a saint? You are. Why don't you act? No. <laughs> I said, why don't we act more like a saint? No. Uh, uh, but it's true. If, you, if you're a believer in Christ, you are a saint, and that's why it's very open-ended here. So the Antichrist will fire up against the saints. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. All right, well, so what's the point here? The point is in the future, this one world government, everything's going to revolve around it. Climate change demands a world leader. It just does. Your health issues demand a world leader, such as COVID-19. So when the next, uh, and, and, and do we know when Jesus is coming back to take us out of here? No, we don't. We, we just don't have a clue. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. Uh, in fact, the conference that I just spoke at, the whole conference was on, we used a tinier word, the soon appearing of Jesus Christ in the fancy big theological word, the imminent return of Christ it can come at any moment. Okay? So when we're looking at these things, and again, go to verse 7. Authority was given him, the Antichrist, over what? Every tribe every tongue, every nation, and that cannot happen unless you're what? A world ruler. Globalism. So every time you get upset about the news, every time you see these things that you're, ah, I can't believe they're still doing this. It's not going to stop. It can't. Uh, they've got to do this in order to set up the system. All right. Uh, if you watched, uh, if, and by the way, every one of you, if you didn't block me, uh, gets at least uh, usually two emails a week from Uni Grove Baptist Church. Sometimes Tabitha, uh, who does all the the sending out of the emails, sometimes you'll see it from the office, sometimes you'll see it from my name. But uh, I know sometimes if you're like me, it's like, well, I get this every week and you just delete it, never look at it or read it. Shame on you. No. Uh, <laughs> it's from me. you got to read this stuff. But anyway, in, uh, if you read the uh, little blip for today, I wanted to touch on two major issues before we get into Acts. And I'm just going to, and probably I'm going to give you a little bit of update on this every week. And I'll tell you why. 
All right, first major thing that's taking place, we touched on it in the past, but not in any depth. Environmental, social, and government, ESG. We're going to be looking at two major things that are taking place in the world right now and definitely in our country. Two different things. The other one is artificial intelligence, AI. So those are two big things that are on the scene. They've been on the scene for quite some time, but they're developing rather rapidly. I want you to understand what they are because these two things are very much setting the stage for Bible prophecy to come true. So uh, I don't know how well you can read that. It's a little smaller font. Uh, But anyway, it says this, Environmental, Social, and Governance. This is an acronym, and folks, it's being used across the country and across the world right now. Very important stuff. What is ESG? Well, uh, Investopedia, doesn't that tell you something? This was put out by Investopedia. What do they do? Well, I guess they invest money, right? Uh, They have a major piece of the puzzle, and you'll find stuff like this all over the Internet. I'm not suggesting you should spend your time looking for these things, but it's everywhere. So Investopedia says, listen, we're going to take your money, your investment, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to only use it as it applies to a set of standards for a company's behavior used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. Now, here's what that's saying. You take all the globalism concepts, all the liberal concepts that you can come up with, and you can incorporate that into ESG. So I'm giving you a very, very broad overview tonight. We're going to drill down on this probably on a weekly basis because every person in here if you use a bank, if you make investments, if, you have, if you're fortunate enough to have somebody who does investments for you, all these things are major play on what's going to be taking place in the future. Now, again, why are we going here? Well, here's the reason we're going there. Because, once again, we know on a global basis, the world is going to start moving into this pattern that's going to be setting the stage for the Antichrist to come on and take over the world. So you want to be careful with what you're doing. You want to think through things. You want to analyze it. And when we're talking about some of these globalist groups, which this obviously is fitting into that scenario, I'm putting out red flags. That's all I'm doing. I'm saying be careful what you do. Be careful what you do. Be careful if you have money to invest what you do with it. Now let me make this one little statement. I am not an investor. I do not want to know how much money you have and how much you think you should invest and where you are going to invest it. The only thing I'm here to say is I want nothing to do with what your investments are or how you intend to invest your money. And you say, well, why why are you saying that? Have you ever heard of prosperity gospel? All right. There are plenty of churches around that will say, listen, you give me all your money and we'll invest it for you and... Folks, this is not that kind of church. We are not on that page. And as long as I'm here, we never will be on that page. But we are here to say, listen, be careful what you do and where you go with the investments that you have because if you get tied up in some of these things, there may be some serious red flags in the future. All right, 
very quickly. Environmental, social, and governance, ESG investing, refers to a set of standards for a company's behavior used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. Environmental criteria. All right, that's a, it's a huge issue. Are they concerned about the environment? Are they investing in things that are going to help the, the climate or help uh, the Arctic or whatever it might be, including corporate policies addressing climate change, for example? Social criteria. Examine how it manages relationships with employees, suppliers, customers, and the communities where it operates. Governance deals with a company's leadership, executive pay, audits, internal controls, and shareholder rights. Now, on the, on the cursory level, does that sound good? It kind of does, right? But you got to be careful. And, that's, and, and again, as a, you're like, you're a pastor. You're supposed to teach us how to go to heaven. Well, I do that every, every service, so pay attention. You'll hear it. But I think a pastor that actually cares about people is also going to warn them about things in the world that can potentially harm you. And uh, again, I'm bringing these things to light. I only do this on Wednesday night for the most part. And it's like, be careful. Be on guard. If you want to be investing in something that in your heart you know is absolutely dead wrong, you want to know about that. Would you agree? Please say yes or I'll just go to X. Okay. <laughs> So I'm here for your, seriously, just to try and guard things. Revelation 13 again, and he was giving a mouth speaking great blasphemous things. Why? Because verse 7, we go right back to the core issue. Authority was given him, the Antichrist, over what? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and all this stuff that we're looking at all revolves around globalism. Now, I I really don't have time for this, but I'm going to go here for a half a second. Okay, a little longer than half a second. I'm even going to take a survey. You don't have to, if you don't want to take it, that's up to you. How many of you that have any money in the bank, it could be 10 bucks or a million bucks. Anybody got more than a million? Let me know. No. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. How many of you in the past six months have been concerned about what's going to happen to your money. All right, that's almost unanimous. And the others just don't want to take the survey. <laughs> now, folks, let, let, can we talk real for a minute? I didn't hear yes, so I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so my hand was raised too. So when we have red flags going up all over the place and a major, it just came out today, which some of you probably saw, another bank, serious, seriously horrible scenario. Millions and millions and billions, gone. So here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not a girl, but I don't want to be Debbie Downer either, all right? So it's like it's gotten your attention, and that's why I'm bringing it up. You see, one of the th- again, one of the things about being in a Bible-believing church where we, where we look at scriptures, we know what's going to eventually happen, and we think. You can't help but think, right? I mean, we think. Everyone, almost every hand went up. I'm concerned. What in the world is going on? 
Well, it's setting this pattern for what eventually is going to become what? Rome or Revelation 13, the one world economic system. Again, it's the last several verses, Revelation 13. Anybody remember the mark on the, on the hand or the mark on the forehead, 666? You all know that, right? That's an economic system. What did the Bible say? You cannot do what? Buy or sell unless you have that. So we know by the time you get to the mid-tribulation position, if you don't have that, and, and none of you here are going to be there if you've trusted Christ. We're all put in heaven. Yay. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus before this starts sneaking in while we're still here. And it's starting to sneak in. All right, which is why you're alarmed. Okay? So again, what I want you to try to do, even though it's hard, because it's like, well, what are we going to do? How's it going to go? How's this going to go down? Where, when's the global currency going to start? What's the exchange rate going to be? Are we going to lose our house? Are we going to lose our money? And, and all these questions, and, and you're like, okay, so you honestly understand what I've been thinking, meaning you. Yes, I understand what you're thinking because I thought the very same thing, okay? And it's disturbing, and you get upset, and it's like, what are we going to do? Here's what I'm going to suggest you do. Can you change what the government's going to do? The only thing we can do. And it's pretty powerful. Can you pray? Can we beg God to give us, a, have some mercy on us while we're still down here? Can we keep pushing to have revival across the country? I think we can. Can we t- keep telling folks the most important thing that any, anybody can ever hear, the gospel? Can we do that? Can we decide that uh, uh, those that have access to get the people that are senators and congressmen, whether it's state, local, uh, federal, don't give up on those people. Well, they're, they're high and mighty and you can't get to them. You can get to them. They're human beings. They have telephones. They have addresses. You can get, and I don't mean in a bad way. I'm talking about can you talk to these people and share the gospel? I know several elected officials in high places personally. Thank God I had the sheriff's office opportunity. I know several folks that are in Washington. Now, I'm just one little piece, but you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep begging the Holy Spirit to do something in their lives and just have a little mercy on us while we're still here. Does that make sense? So don't give up. Don't get, and it's like, well, don't get scared. And you're like, I am scared. Well, don't be. <laughs> How do you stop it, right? It's like it's in my head. I'm, I'm concerned about this. Folks, we're all concerned. Last thing on that, on that concept, and we'll move on. I want to be careful how I say this. So Valerie, my wife, she was meeting with a particular lady who was very, very, very savvy in the dollar world. We'll put it that way. She's a huge investor, millions and millions and millions of dollars. No, that's not my bank account. But uh, she was talking with her, and it's like even though the dollar has serious issues, it's still extremely strong in the big market. Will that change someday? The answer is it will. It absolutely will. But we're not there yet. We're not even close. People are putting up red flags all over the place. Yeah, there's a whole lot of red flags, but don't go into despair. All right? You say, well, why do you, why do you spend time on this? Because this 
Almost every single hand went up. Yeah, we're, we're concerned. And I'm trying to say, listen, we're okay for today. I think we're okay for the next week, the next month, next couple of years. Is something going to happen? Let's just keep praying together. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Will you please get us out of here before it does break loose? So, but don't worry. You're going to eat tomorrow. I guarantee it. All right? If not, if you can't afford the food at the store, we got a huge food pantry. So everybody on the Internet's going to be coming to get our food now, but that's okay. So smile, it's okay. All right, last thing, and then we're getting asked. I just want to start opening up this discussion on artificial intelligence. So in Minnesota, I was uh, staying at the home of an individual that is fairly well-versed on this subject, and actually his job is integrated into AI, which is why he wants to retire very soon. (laughs) But uh, let me just breach this concept, and we're going to expand on it. I actually signed up, and I probably shouldn't have done it, but I did. It's like I can't hide. Everybody on earth, if you're in law enforcement, everybody has my fingerprints. My DNA is everywhere. I mean, you're... I can't move without the government knowing what I'm doing. You just, you just can't. And by the way, you can't either, but some of you think you can't. There's nobody here that the government doesn't know about. I hate to break some bubbles tonight, but you're all known a whole lot more than you probably think you are, but don't worry about it. Artificial intelligence, what's it going to do? If me and John are having a conversation tonight, and we're not kidding around, which we do a lot, But if we're being dead serious and it's like, well, we're talking about whatever particular subject, he has a high cognitive ability. Man, am I blessing you tonight. Of what he does, he's a very smart guy. And he'll come back and he'll start responding. I'm not as smart, but I'm a smart aleck sometimes, so that counts. But uh, anyway, we'll start dialoguing back and forth. And you have an intelligent, you hope, discussion. Where AI is getting to is that you're actually dialoguing with a computer and not another person, and the computer is actually responding with intelligent uh, discussion. So I went on a particular, and I'm not going to go into where at this point because I don't want everybody to get on there, but uh, because I'm well known to the government anyway, it's like whatever, I'll go on the site and start playing with it. So I actually kept it in a Christian sphere, believe it or not. So I started asking this AI system very technical doctrinal questions. And it came back at me like a professor in a seminary. And we dialogued, we argued, and it was... it would be the same as if I went into a chat with somebody in this room. No difference. The only thing that the AI system stated before we started our dialogue was, I don't have an opinion. And I said, you liar, because everything I asked it, it had an opinion. So very quickly, and I'm going to just scream through this because I'm spending probably more time than I should, but I'm, I'm trying to breach this with you, and I'll explain in the future why some of these things, you've got to be careful again, red flags. Okay, definition, what is artificial intelligence? Art, artificial intelligence is the field of computer science that is associated with the concept of machines 
thinking like humans to perform tasks such as learning, problem solving, planning, reasoning, and identifying patterns. And this is from Customer Insights Group, Inc. All right, again, documenting where I get this from. Now, we're going to get into this more in the future, but bottom line is all these different things enter data into this repository, deep learning, supervised learning, uh, machine learning, natural language, expert systems. The bottom half is uh, a vision, speech, planning, robotics. All of this massive amount of data gets thrown into this AI system, and then it spits things out to us. Uh, is AI, and, and, I, and I, I put this in, is AI a threat to Christianity? And the, this article came up from 2017. And uh, I'm not going to go through the article, but there's, there's been warnings since 2017 about what AI, artificial intelligence, may impact us negatively, even in the Christian community. All right, uh, here's just a couple of quick things about AI. Most Americans, and this is from Pew Research, most Americans say racial bias is a problem in the workplace. Can AI help? Most Americans say racial and ethnic bias in hiring practices and performance evaluations is a problem, but they differ over how big of a problem it is. By the way, check the date. April 20th, what year? 2023. Now, again, I'm setting the stage for things that are taking place, and we'll jump on these more in the future, but uh, this is, I mean, this is up-and-coming serious technology that's taking place as we speak. Uh, AI in hiring and evaluation and evaluating workers, what Americans think. 62% of Americans believe artificial intelligence will have a major impact on job holders overall in the next 20 years, but far fewer think it will greatly affect them personally. <laughs> oh, did I? I'm sorry. Um, majorities oppose using AI in making final decisions on hiring or firing. Another article from Pew, The Future of Human Agency, February of this year. Experts are split about how much control people will retain over e essential decision-making as digital systems and artificial intelligence spread. They agree that powerful corporate and government authority... Whoa, wait, let me say that again. I messed up. No, I didn't. They agree that powerful corporate and government authorities will expand the role of AI in people's daily lives in useful ways. How in the world is the Antichrist going to know who is and who isn't worshiping him? Just a thought. I don't have an answer. 60% of Americans would be uncomfortable with provider relying on AI in their own health care. So you call up your local AI machine. Hello, Mr. AI machine. Yes. I'm feeling chest pains. What should I do? Perform chest compressions on yourself. You know, I mean, it's a machine. What it should say is get, get your rear end over to the hospital ASAP, right? Uh, uh, but now, folks, this, this is no joke. This is going on as we speak. Uh, how Americans view emerging, emerging uses of artificial intelligence, including programs to generate text or art. Among Americans who have heard about it, AI programs that can write news articles probably better than most media outlets. 16% describe this as a major advance for the news media. Man, this has nothing to do with church, but... Anybody see anything happening over at Fox News this week? 
Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you watch Fox News. I don't have cable, so I do it through Roku. You know, I get it uh, the 60, 60 hours after it happens. Why are all these uh, big-name personalities that are the stars and the multi-multi-multi-millionaires all of a sudden, bye-bye? <laughs> they speak the truth. And maybe they don't speak it in love and it messes it up. Anybody hear anything about the Dominion settlement? Yeah. Don't mess with Texas, folks. You don't think they got clout? Half of Americans are more aware of common uses of AI, but fewer can identify. All right, I'm going to give you this last, I'm just going to do this one last or two last slides here. I want you to see if you can figure out, is what we're looking at on the next slide artificial intelligence or is it just whatever? Wearable fitness trackers that analyze exercise and sleeping patterns. Is that artificial intelligence? Yes, it is. By the way, I'll make it easy. They all are because I, I don't have time to put fake stuff up. A chat box that immediately answers customer questions. Have you ever gone to a, a particular, uh, you're trying to buy something, and all of a sudden the chat box wa- pops up. Well, what can I do to help you? Right, and it actually usually says chat box, and you type in your question. What does it do? Now, it, it responds to your question, sometimes great. If they, they got really good system, it, it's like talking to a human being. I mean, it's all computerized, but it's part of the AI system. Product recommendations based on previous purchases. Now, if you're like me, I buy out, I'm, I'm, I'm getting lazy. I don't go to big box stores anymore, very rarely. So you go on the internet, you go to Amazon, and don't tell me you haven't done it. Uh, you, go to, you go to Amazon, you, you pick out, okay, I, I need an alarm clock. I broke my alarm clock. So you, you order an alarm clock. Well, what, what's the next 65,000 ads you get? Come on, alarm clocks. Why? Because they got you down. They know what you're looking at, or they'll look at wall clocks or something else, part of AI. A security camera that sends an alert when there is an unrecognized person at the door. Artificial intelligence? Oh, you betcha. Face recognition? You betcha. By the way, can facial recognition be a good thing? It can. Can it also be a sneaky little government trick? I didn't say that. You did. Arrest them, not me, okay? Anyway, no, don't arrest them. A music playlist recommendation. So you go on YouTube or whatever else is out there, and all of a sudden you put down your favorite songs next to Spotify, some of those. Next thing you know, they're giving you a whole list of things they think you're going to like. Artificial intelligence. The email service categorizing an email as spam. Now that's artificial intelligence I like. Every time my phone goes off, if you're like me, I look at who's calling, and, it, and a lot of times it says what? Spam risk. Bye-bye. So, it, again, yes? Yeah. Yeah, he said, if you didn't hear John, he said, do you ever get that, like when you're signing up for something and then you have to hit a button, are you a robot? How many have done that? All right, and he says it's basically giving them the right to check your history, um, which I don't 
doubt is a fact, and then what else? Well, it basically, can they teach a robot to hit that button someday? I'm sure they can. They can do everything else. All right? So, again, why are we doing this? Kind of like I'm up here saying, just be careful, Christian, with what you do, where you go, where you put your investments, uh, what kind of thing you tell, what information. It's kind of like when you get that phone call and the person on the other end says, I, I'm from Nigeria. And it is use lucky days. I have $1 million I will put in your account. Send me your bank account number and your social security number, and I will immediately forward that to your bank account. Yeah. How much, how much did you send them? Now, folks, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because you know how many senior citizens are getting scammed out of their life savings when some knucklehead like that calls. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say knucklehead in church. Some scam artist. Folks, it's real. Be careful. Good enough? How about let's do some Bible? By the way, all that was Bible. It's just telling you things that are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. One world government, one world religion, one world economy. And folks, the stage is being set as me and you sit here tonight. All right, let's peel God's word one passage at a time. Father, I pray now that as we open up the Word of God, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, all these things that we went through, they're important. We need to be on our guard against them. But Father, as we open up the blessed book that you've given to us, yes, it's filled with prophecy, but it's also filled with the greatest thing we can do, the same thing that the Apostle Paul did nearly 2,000 years ago, how to spread the gospel to others. Lord, I know it's the only hope that America has or this world has. So, Lord, I pray that you teach us from your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been working on Paul's second missionary journey. We're in Acts chapter 16. So in Acts 16, 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. So a tremendous outreach of the word of God is happening under the Apostle Paul's ministry, uh, and, and church planning was a huge issue. By the way, there's a lot of groups even today that are in church planning. There's church plants going up all over the place. Uh, if you watch Prophecy Focus on VCY TV, my former partner, uh, John Fallahy, who was just an excellent, outstanding teacher, uh, but he left uh, the show, and some people are like, well, why did he leave the show? Well, I hated that he left the show, but he took uh, he's uh, doing church planning work up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, has a good news or good good news fellowship uh, Bible church that he's starting doing well and uh, and I praise the Lord he's up there starting a brand new church in Green Bay I miss him I begged him to come back uh, but Josh Steele stepped is Josh in the room where are you at okay he might be working downstairs tonight but uh, Josh has stepped in we're actually going to be recording brand new programs this Friday. Uh, Long story short, uh, we hadn't recorded in about three months, the producer, and then we only have one producer at VCY. Uh, remember Bev Bowes, who got that uh, crippling, um, I forget what it's called. Say what? 
Yeah, that young beret malady whereby she was virtually paralyzed. God healed her while God uh, healed Josh McLean, who's the producer, but he spent a little more time healing him than he did on Bev, so it's been several months since we recorded. But anyway, we'll be recording this Friday. I knew you all wanted to hear that. All right, Acts 16.6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were, catch this now, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, doesn't that sound a little weird? God said, do not go to Asia and preach the gospel. He had another better plan for them. So here's, here's the, the, what we want to spend a few minutes on. How do you discern God's will? Tony? I'm sorry? Glad you asked that. All right. So back in the old, or back during the first century, um, and I don't have a pointer, but if you see that red ring kind of around the word Asia, that was the area considered Asia at that time. So, uh, in other words, because they were in Cappadocia, they were in Galatia, which you can see up there, they went to Phrygia, Pisidia, uh, Cilicia, Tarsus, Bithynia. Uh, not to my knowledge that they go to Nicomedia, but uh, all those places they did go to, but God at that time said, stay out of Asia. Now, if you look at Asia Minor today, which is what country? Turkey. I mean, it's massive. It would have taken in all of that, but back in the day it was a bit different. So great question, and fortunately I had the map. <laughs> All right, but here's the issue. How do you discern God's will as to where to go? Well, back in the first century, it was a no-brainer because God literally told them, you will go here, you will go here, but you don't go here. For us, it's a little more difficult. That's why I always like to go to Proverbs. There's safety in a multitude of what? Counselors. Never make a major decision without checking with counselors. You know, uh, if you get... Uh, I don't know. Every single time I've had a major decision to make, all my counselors have always been 100% on the same page. So I got good counselors, I think. Uh, But the bottom line is if you be careful who you call a counselor, that shouldn't be the person that you uh, go to the A&W and drink root beer with necessarily. This should be godly individuals that you know have a godly mindset that know the word of God and are walking with God. And if you get a difference of opinion? Well, I I just haven't had that in my life. Uh, I'm sure some of you have, but uh, you just got to be careful discerning God's will. All right, so they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to enter Asia. Don't go there. My pastor, who's uh, Robert Gray from Westchester Bible Church, he was my first Christian pastor. I disobeyed him on one thing, and I've regretted it ever since. He encouraged me, which I did do, to go to Moody Bible Institute. That was the first Bible college I went to. I spent three years there. It wasn't a four-year college at the time. And then uh, after I graduated from Moody, I had a particular college in mind that I wanted to go to. And he said, Rich, don't go there. And I said, well, thanks for the advice pastor, but I'm going to go where I want to go. So I went to the college that I picked out, and he was okay with that one, but you know what happened? I couldn't get any of the, it was a huge Christian college, and I couldn't get the classes I wanted. 
So I'm like, I can't wait around for this. So I decided to go to another college, Christian college, very strong Baptist college, but not necessarily a good one. And my pastor said, Rich, do not go there. And I said, well, thanks for your advice, Pastor, but, you know, that's where I'm going to go. He wanted me to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. And I said, nope, I'm not going there. Boy, have I regretted that one. So I ended up finishing up at the college that I chose and ended up going to, then I straightened my act out, went to a couple of colleges that were recommended by others. So then I went to Northland International. Well, first I went to Trinity a short term. Then I went to Northland International University, which was back in the day, Northland Baptist Bible College. That was wonderful, uh, excellent education uh, there on Bible. Graduated there with the first doctorate. Then uh, I went through Louisiana Baptist University, which had a doctorate 100% on eschatology. Uh, Jimmy DeYoung had encouraged me and others to do that, so I did. And those were great. But I messed up on the one, so I'm never going to be a Dallas grad, and I regret that because it's probably one of the best, at least back in the day. It's still good, but back in the day, boy, it was the cream of the crop. So listen to advice. If you're going to reject it, boy, you better have a good reason. And unfortunately, the good thing that happened out of the college I went to that I'm not happy I went to, that's where I met Valerie. So uh, I knew God wanted me there. Um, my pastor didn't know that, but uh, anyway, the, the, what's the bottom line? Be careful what you do. Seek a multitude of counselors because when this happens and all of a sudden God forbade them what? To go to Asia, at least at that particular time. All right, let's move on. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but again, the Spirit did not permit them. He's like, nope, that's not where I want you to go, and the Holy Spirit literally directed them Uh, to where they should go. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So on the map, here we go. So we're on the borders of Asia, but they didn't go into Asia. And of course, those, I can't, if you put the letters to size on the map and you can see it on your map, I just, I can't make them small enough or you wouldn't see it. All right, next. Here's a good one. We got about eight, 10 minutes left. I want to get into this account. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so now God is using what? In this particular instance, it's first century. Sign gifts are very valid during the apostolic time. God used dreams. He used visions. He used other miraculous things to lead his People, and this is no exception. So Paul's getting this, if you will, this vision to come to where? Macedonia. So he's like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. This is God's will. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there too, and here's one we all know, what place? Philippi. All right, we're going to have a great account of what's going to take place there, which is the foremost part of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. All right, so up on the map, we've got uh, the man, if you will, of Macedonia crying out, come on over here. So if you will, you you cross over the sea, 
And uh, you can see right below the red, big red arrow, you can see part of the word Philippi, which is where we're going right now. But Macedonia is the big area there, right? So we're going to be, or the, the big region. So we're going to go now to Philippi and have one of the greatest accounts of uh, a person coming to Christ, I think, in the Bible. I love this one. Acts 16. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. Now, if you go to the uh, Thyatira, of course, is in that Asia Minor area, which is where she was from, and she would have had to cross over the sea to get to Macedonia. All right, so she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. You know what, folks? And if you, if you share the gospel with somebody and you're witnessing to them, and all of a sudden, their heart opens up. If you've ever had that privilege of leading someone to Christ, you watch before your very eyes a person's demeanor change to where they go from being a searcher, maybe even being a critic of who Christ is, to being one that now accepts the gospel, which is exactly what happened. That's, that's amazing. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had testimonies from several folks about how God opened up their hearts and their eyes, and they came to Christ. It was great. I mean, I heard so many wonderful, I mean, it was just great. People were saying, man, that was good. It is good. Don't you love hearing the account of when somebody trusted Christ? I mean, it's just wonderful, and it, it's good. Well, one other little thing here, where, does, where did this seller of purple concept come from? And some of you ladies and some of the guys even might be uh, – uh, uh, get involved with this, but this purple color came from a shellfish known as the murex or from the root of a plant. So back in the day and still today, I mean, you get colors from different things that God provides, and uh, I just always liked that. So this came from a shellfish or a root of a plant where actually the color purple was coming from. All right, so we're up in Philippi now, and here we go. Uh, let's get to the account. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a, verse 15, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Now, when we get into this issue of, of baptism, and I, I want to touch on this very quickly, baptism is a huge, huge issue still in America today and around the world. Baptism is one of the most confusing things in Christianity. People get baptized in their minds many, many places, many denominational churches. Baptism is, in their minds, a ticket to go directly to heaven with nothing else. You're baptized into the kingdom. May I make it very clear that nobody is baptized into the kingdom, not by water baptism. You don't go to heaven because you went into a tank of water. Behind me sits a tank of water, and of course it's empty right now because we're not baptizing anybody tonight. But every time I baptize somebody, what do you hear first? Well, you hear exactly what this lady uh, uh, stated. The Lord opened her heart, not to be baptized, but to what? The gospel of the grace of God, where someone, all of a sudden, they hear the gospel. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven, but Jesus Christ died on the cross 
uh, uh, was buried and three days later rose from the dead. And, and uh, uh, at one point in my life, I said, yes, I understand that. And I've received the free gift of eternal life by placing my faith and trust in Jesus. This lady had that, I hate to use the word experience, but she had that encounter with Christ and trusted him and the Lord opened up her heart. What's the next thing she did? After, not before, she believed. By the way, how old was this lady? Was she old enough to know the difference between right and wrong? Was she old enough to be able to make a conscious decision to trust Christ? With all due respect to those who do infant baptism, it is not in the Bible. Nowhere, no how, never been there. You say, well, uh, uh, there's churches that baptize infants. Why do they do that? Well, it came about as a ritualistic thing years and years ago, and it was sanctioned by various councils as a methodology to bring folks to the kingdom. Folks, can I kindly say this? If it didn't come out of one of the 66 books of the Bible, it's man's decision, not God's. And anything, I mean, people read out of a hymnal like it's a gospel Bible. It's not the, the liturgy in a hymnal or a book is not authorized, inspired word of God. All right? Uh, it's literally quarter two. Let me just read this one and then uh, give me five more minutes. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Now, if you go through Scripture, and I'm just going to set the stage. We'll finish this this up next week. How many of you have heard of the more contemporary witchcraft called Wiccans? Most, all right? Witchcraft is not dead, folks. Satan worship is not dead. So I put on here, these are words that come out in the, mainly out of the New King James Version. The King James Version has similar words or the same. Here's our things that are spoken about in the Bible that deal with this issue of satanic intervention, if you will. Witchcraft, divination, fortune-telling, soothsayers, sorcerer, spiritists, mediums, all words you'll find in your Bible. So, and I'm going to end with this, and one more slide, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to quit. So, now this is kind of a funny thing to start with. I actually go somewhere and get a haircut on occasion. You say, which hair do they cut? <laughs> the long one. So, when I go to the barber, the very next shop used to be a jewelry store. So my wife had taken me there multiple times. I'm not sure why. Now, you know exactly why. But the jewelry store is right next to the barbershop. Well, the person that owned the jewelry store retired, and it is now a place for a palm reader. The good news is I've been going to that place, and the palm reader rents that space but has never, ever, ever gone into that building. It's basically a cover to protect money from another shop that this person has. Never stepped foot in it. So it's okay, you can go there. Uh, not, to the, not to the medium, but to the barber shop. So anyway, the bottom line is, why am I saying this? This stuff exists today. And may I make it very clear that Satan didn't die either. 
And Satan still has the ability, and the demonic world still has the ability to do a whole lot of crazy stuff. I'm not going to get into all that, and especially not tonight because of time. But I want you to understand that in the first century, here Paul, there's this slave girl, she's possessed with a spirit. I mean, it's for real. This isn't made up some science fiction movie. This is for real. The English words, a spirit by which he predicted the future, translate two Greek words, a spirit, a python. This concept goes back to the Greek city of Delphi where the god Apollo, small g, was believed to be embodied in a python snake. The original priestess at Delphi was purported to be possessed by Apollo and thereby able to predict the future. Therefore, anyone possessed by the python spirit, what do you think that python spirit is? Don't get tricked by what the uh, uh, mythological thing is. This is real demonic things that are taking place back then. All right? Whoops, bump the, bump the, whatever. All right? So, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul, I like this. Paul was a little Peterish right here. But Paul, greatly what? And annoyed. He's like, good night already. Would you get this demonic person away from me? I'm sick of this. I mean, he was annoyed by it. Turned and said to the to the girl, uh-uh. Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now, folks, we could do a three-hour, four-hour, six-hour class on what all's involved here? What's all involved with uh, uh, oppression? What's all involved with oppression and possession? What was uh, uh, taking place in the apostolic times? What's taking place today? This is still a huge subject. And by the way, the only thing, and I will quit because I will go on forever, as you know. Don't you dare say amen. Anyway, Galatians. Where do you find the armor of God passage? How about what's the right book? Because I said it wrong. How about Ephesians 6? Very good. It's not Galatians 6, it's Ephesians 6. The Apostle Paul told me and you, as we get ready to walk out in that battlefield, you better have on what? The whole armor of God. Folks, that's not a joke. It's not an idea. It is a command that when you go to bed, you better have the armor of God on. I go to sleep with the armor of God on, folks. I wake up with the armor of God on because I don't want to be attacked at night, during the day, or any other time. You take off any piece of the armor of God. You stop praying. You stop having faith. You deny the salvation that you have. You deny prayer. You deny the power of God, and you're going to get attacked because Satan would just love to take you down when you are not prepared. So what God asks each and every one of us to do, and you, you say, I don't know Galatians, or, um, Galatians did again. I don't know Ephesians 6. I would highly recommend, before you go to bed by tonight, pull out your Bible, read Ephesians chapter 6, and realize what you need to have on if you expect to survive as a Christian in this world. He talks about principalities, powers, all demonic 
warfare that we face. You say, I've never seen it. Of course you don't see it. <laughs> every time you look at a billboard, every time you turn on the TV, every time you read a magazine, every time you pop on the Internet, every time you walk down the street, you're being attacked, whether you know it or not. And if your armor isn't on and it's like, well, yeah, this is just part of life, no, it's not part of life. It's part of war. We've got to have on the armor if we expect to be effective for the Lord Jesus in this day. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these dear folks. Lord, we've gone through a, a lot of things tonight, looking at what's taking place, setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. We're looking at things that are absolutely amazing, the technology that currently exists, that one day will set the stage for the Antichrist kingdom along with the false prophet and Satan. We look tonight at what uh, uh, took place when the Apostle Paul went out and preached the gospel in various places and how you blessed and uh, saw folks come to Christ. We saw how uh, uh, Paul, annoyed with a, a demonic spirit, uh, uh, cast it out of this young lady, and uh, we didn't get to the end results of that, but boy, God, how you can change our life. So, Father, I pray that as we go back into the battlefield that we would put on the whole armor of God. I pray that we'd walk in the Spirit. I pray that we'd be praying without ceasing as Josh did so wonderfully. What a wonderful message Sunday night. Father, help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to love others like uh, uh, only you can do through us. And, Father, please watch over us this week. Keep the evil one from us. Help us to uh, uh, walk in love as we go home to our families as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go into the neighborhood. Help us to be a shining example in this dark, dark world. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Thanks for being here.